0: me i'm always interested in the psychological aspect of just people's way of being so it's that thing about how powerful your mind is
1: today's soundtrack from the animation slim pickings ushers us into the mysterious and strange world created by anthony lucas it's a good place to start an introduction to my guest today kath murphy Kath is a professional animator whose work draws on her experience as a nurse with a background in adolescent mental health. My interest in Kath's work came from her time running workshops for young people in challenging situations, those with learning difficulties or surviving the trauma of bushfires or seeking asylum in Australia. Although we talk a fair bit about her work, there's something here for everyone, filmmakers, teachers and students. We started with her interest in animation. The best short films for lifelong learning, recommended by teachers for teachers. This is
0: Short Films Teachers Love, with your host, Richard Lee. Well, I was a visual artist first, so I've really drawn most days since I was five. And I always love it, and I still draw most days. And so to be able to meld that visual arts part of my life with the narrative, it was like the perfect you know thing and it still feels like the best fit for me. so that was what was really attractive to me that I could actually create the pictures and then they became a story to bring something like that to life that has a complex concept and a narrative, uh, it was really such an incredible amount of fun it still is. Isn't it? You know, I haven't lost any sort of uh,
1: enthusiasm for it. It's such an amazing art form because, as you say, it's so direct. It's so I'm drawing the pictures and they are going to have a life of their own that just emerges, and I, I, I get that. But I don't know whether I have the patience to just know that 25 drawings is going to take, or more, you know, it's going to take to create a second of work.
0: Yeah, that's right. It is not for the faint heart, but I think you either love it or you don't, you know. So... You know, it's quite, once you get into the rhythm, it's quite meditative. And that's where um, my work as an educator has come because I also was a nurse for years and I work in adolescent mental health. And so I work with a lot of students who uh, have varying challenges in education, social challenges. Some kids are on the spectrum, you know, autism, Asperger's. And for them, uh, I mean, if you wanted to start an animation studio, you, those guys, man, you could not get anybody more enthusiastic, more with more capacity for singular focus. So it's all about the right fit, I think. And so you know, maybe that says something about me, but um, I think for a person who loves it, they really love it. Mm.
1: And and so that teaching part then did that. So you had the nursing, and then you moved mm-hmm. into animation. Did the teaching come before or after you went to VCA?
0: After. Probably, I worked as a professional filmmaker for about 10 years mm-hmm. and uh, you know, some, some of it was self-funded, some funded by a film funding body and then I ended up on a committee after Black Saturday bushfires because they wanted to engage some young people in Marysville and they set up, I think it was Film Vic and somebody else set up a big screen project and they wanted local community to contribute and I, so I was there sort of as a sort of youth advisor. And I suggested that they possibly get young people who were interested to do some animations. And there was a local person who was a filmmaker and an animator, so I didn't do that work, but that's how it started for me. And then um, a series of workshops became what I now run, which is a project called The Rural Animation Project.
1: So that was 2009, I think I read, and that came. That was the big screen project in Marysville. So, so you you weren't the animator technically for that, but you got involved with that. Um, so, how did that emerge? That you were then involved in this this rural animation project. How did that come about?
0: So, I from that point, I actually recognised the benefits of the sort of incidental learning that happens when you show some films, talk about them, get young people who may be a bit unconnected at school, just don't actually identify with the structured environment. But there's there's lots of incidental learning in that whole process. What makes a good story? What are their responses to a good story? How do you actually make one? All the programs I use to Photoshop, you know, the graphics program and Premiere, they're all diagram-based so for kids who have literacy challenges, they can actually create without being able to read and write. And so I've taught quite a few groups that of newly arrived kids from overseas in regional communities, Afghanistan, Iraq. So, you know, kids who come in their teens and have never been to school, but they can do it on the first day. because It's a, a diagram-based program. And
1: fun. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm seeing too, um, in fact, even a couple of the interviews I've already done this year have been uh, about teachers using short films in cross-cultural, you know, teachers of English for students that are non-native speakers. And this is a really rich vein. You know, there's lots of teachers that use film, as you say, exactly because the language is a problem and, and the film gives a way for people to engage and start talking where language is less of you know where it's a challenge so um that's fascinating that you're picking up on this as well i want to just for a moment to sort of interrupt that idea and go back because we want to i want to get to culture bowl which is one that you had a a big hand in but before we go there i want i want to just go jump back to this this one called slim pickings In a lonely cottage lives a mouse-like creature with a trumpety nose called Snork and a wriggly little pot plant who has been his friend for a long time. In this shabby world, food is scarce. Snork is down to his last meal and while he's out looking unsuccessfully for food, the plant produces a surprise. A juicy red tomato that falls just out of sight. When Snork returns, he's convinced that his dear friend the plant is his last available food. (laughs) Will he notice the surprise in time? You'll just have to watch and see.
0: So he's faced with this dilemma. If he goes down one path, he loses his best friend. If he goes down another path, he's still starving. So it's classic dramatic tension. You know, that's the thing you want in a perfect narrative plot. You know, Anthony Lucas, the director, is very clever. But it's simple. And so it's completely accessible. And... Then there's all the sort of secondary dialogue that you can have around that. And when you, like I work with a lot of adolescents, and so when you want to talk about things, you know, to be able to talk about it in a second person because you're referencing this narrative that they're watching, so it's not about them. And then uh, we talk about things like, okay, so here's this guy, he is desperate. Now, what does it mean for him? Do you think if he just waited for a minute before he made that quick decision, Would his life be different? They go, yeah, man, he should have (laughs) waited. He should have (laughs) waited. So all that dialogue about being impulsive or not, you know, can you just wait a minute because, man, the stakes are really high. So, um, you know, all all, all the really interesting secondary stuff, I think.
1: Mm. Wow. So that's a class that might go on for, I don't know, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour. Tell me what that's like.
0: We do two. So first hour... We will watch, a bit of talking. Sometimes it's less, actually. We might get through that in half an hour because most of the films are not more than a few minutes long. And then uh, depending on what stage we're at, like at the moment we have... Uh, we're, the one group I'm working with, uh, we work in a community centre and the coordinator of the community centre is a sensational storyteller. So the kids got to just sit down and tell this story about this pig that um, did this amazing thing in King Lake post-Black Saturday. So they film it, they record the sound, they take it into an editing program, and then they listen to the audio and they decide what the pictures are. And so the second hour often of this two-hour session is about them drawing what they've decided are the most relevant bits to tell this story.
1: Mm. And and there would be different standards of drawing that you would have in the class, presumably?
0: Yeah, that's right, there are. And a lot of the work that I do, uh, the technique I use is rotoscoping, which is essentially tracing photos. So if the students have filmed something, it goes into an editing program and then it's exported as JPEGs and then the students take it into Photoshop and trace over it. And it's been around for 100 years, ever. Disney did it. So nobody owns the technique. It's a, it's a great way to draw without pressure.
1: It's almost um it's almost film as therapy then really isn't it it's you're you're using film to draw people out
0: yeah that's exactly what you yeah.
1: and so as a as a th- kind of a therapy then do you have you know the the obvious question that every you know medical person would would want to know is what are the outcomes? what evidence have you seen that this helps people
0: um all right, I'll just give you two stories. there's one story about this boy who uh he was very nervous and he talked a lot, probably a little bit too much. And he had an extremely um, – he was really obsessed with animated characters and he would sort of try and – he spoke a bit like a character. And he made something and he decided to do the voice. And he got the opportunity to hear himself and watch himself because he videoed himself in his sound. And he went, oh, man, do I sound like that? And so it wasn't – he wasn't devastated but he – there was an insight, you know, like if somebody had said to him, you know, your voice is a bit unusual, but it, and the the group was lovely. So, but all of them grew like they, there was a lot of tolerance in the group the difference, but also because he had that time, he got to know himself a bit as well. Somebody else who I've tutored for quite a long time as an individual, uh, who's quite shy, and um, every single individual class, even though she always came to the sessions. She still always quite shy. But in this group, I could see like after, say, five or six sessions, it was really quite transforming for her socially. Her capacity to just spontaneously talk amongst this group, it's so dramatically changed. So it can be quite significant for some people.
1: Very rewarding, very rewarding. Let me, let me take you back a little bit then to a little bit of your... Key. Career, because then we can talk about this, some of these other ones. So, um, I saw that in 2011 you somehow secured some money from the Berry Street, uh, which is a housing organisation, Ethnic Council, Scanlon Foundation. There was a few people involved, and ended up with the Shepparton English Language Centre. Um, now Shepparton, for those who are listening, you know, for example, overseas, it's a major rural country town in what we call the fruit bowl of Victorian farming country. So there's lots of canning and packaging and fruit and veg from the surrounding areas. So it also has a high proportion of refugee and refugees and asylum seekers and i understand that out of this came Uh, an animated series or at least one animation called A Family of Weddings and it was the winner of the best middle school animation for the Australian Teachers of Media Awards in 2012. So that's an achievement. Fantastic. Congratulations. Um, Tell me a little bit about that and and how you sort of, how your career has steered a little bit more into this direction of working with, you know, refugees and asylum seekers.
0: I think because I started to recognise the benefits of it as a mental health tool, I then approached Berry Street. What was really challenging but also a good fit in terms of the process is that almost all of these teenagers had never been to school. So the English Language Centre has to do all of primary school and half of high school to prepare these kids for middle high school within 12 months, wow. sometimes six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, massive. And, you know, their thirst for knowledge is phenomenal. So they are sensational.
1: Great students.
0: Oh, man. Because they just, I mean, they've had nothing. You know, some of these girls have literally lived in a cupboard, but the boys do. Like, they're all wonderful. And they recognize the opportunity. So um, that particular story was told by, inter- by the interpreter, one of the interpreters in that group. Mm. Many of us have come for 100 years or more
1: we see a map of the world with hand-drawn outlines of crowds walking across it.
0: Past the mountains. Past the Green Valley. Past the countries. Past the big oceans. Past the dangers. Past the struggles. Multicultural Arts Victoria wanted animation that would foster some empathy, you know, to really get a sense of what these young people had been through. And so uh, they actually devised the script themselves, but I basically facilitated the discussion. And so often, as with other films, you film lots and you write lots, and then you pick the bits that you think best encapsulate those essential elements to what it feels like to be a newly arrived refugee. Young people wanted to convey... Just how many people at a time often came and how difficult it was crossing mountain, going through disease, you know, all the things that they suffered en route. Then when they came, they still, even though um, in some ways safer, still felt incredibly nervous, had to find a spot where they felt safe. They could bring up their family. So then they filmed themselves. A lot of that filming was just done on the oval next door to the school. One of the beauties of rotoscope animation, you don't have to worry about set because all you're doing is tracing footage. And then it was
1: edited together. Mm. So you're almost, uh, I mean, you're really a documentary filmmaker yourself, aren't you? This is is a documentary process. You are documenting these lives, taking the interviews that people have given, finding the bits where there's there's a narrative arc, structuring it so that it's going to be something that's engaging to watch. But what I love about that process too, that you then take it into this animated world. So you're then removing that step because one of the issues with documentary and, and particularly sensitive cases like the Asylum Seeker stories, et cetera, is that they, you know, privacy and the whole issue of, you know, some of them might not be able to be seen, but you, the animation of Rotoscope then says, as you say, remove the background, remove the actual identities and but get to this heart of the story. That's fantastic. So that must be liberating.
0: Yeah, I think they were very proud of it. They did a great job and, you know, they really embraced the whole process. You know, it's amazing to work with such a big group who is just so enthusiastic. But the latest one is a narrative that they wrote uh, with, with and it's absolutely, it's based on true but it's fiction. So, you know, it just depends on what comes up really.
1: Yeah. So is this latest one, is that the two brothers, one girl and one chook?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Right. Now, where and when can we see this? Because I did read about that.
0: Yes, well... Uh, I'm hoping by mid-year we'll be finished. So will I'll have to keep you posted on that one, cause, uh, but we'll definitely it'll be distributed.
1: So what's, what's the, uh, what are the steps to the finish line? Why, why is it such a long, drawn-out process? I mean, I, I think I know why, but give me a sense of that. Uh,
0: the film is about six minutes long, a bit more. So that means, you know, at least 700 drawings a minute. So... It's just not necessarily quick.
1: And do you find some of the participants are the the standout drawers? Do you have your sort of select group of people who are the drawers and others who were just involved in the interviews? Or how, how do you engage them all because not everyone can be doing everything?
0: Yeah, that's right. It's a very good point. So I think there's a fantasy and then there's a reality. So for lots of the students who started... You know, they'll have a go at Photoshop and they go, oh, man, you've got to do more than two drawings I can't do it. (laughs) And then there's other kids who go, you know, can I have 300 more? So it's really about personal style, you know, what you enjoy doing.
1: So the Rural Animation Project, um, sell it to me. So if I'm a school and I want to take part in this or I'm a teacher and go, this would be great at our school, what do I do?
0: Uh, Well, you know, like people just get in touch and... Uh, We discuss what it is that they'd like, you know, if they want the kids to make a film. or um, Now, we do – I give students and teachers a bit of a choice too because for some students it can be a bit overwhelming to come come up with things and we also do professional – I make professional animations. And so if students just want to be part of that as well, you know, they just – they get in touch and we do a – you know, we make it fit really initially it was really about trying to teach teachers because you know obviously I can't be all over the place and so that I think a really important element
1: tell me about the range of people who have who it's been really good for
0: you know I think uh sometimes it's been the unexpected things I sent you a couple of links to one of them was a Pixar film on a bird on a wire. I forget, sorry
1: for the birds
0: is it yeah that's right for the birds and I have found that teachers use them as great conversation starters so even if they don't always embrace all of the technology and often the young people can do it. <laughs> so it's like they end up sharing skills but it's more about setting out setting up a way of starting the t- storytelling process.
1: And so in in that way you're really trying to engage teachers to be the people that are inspiring their students about what's possible. So Mm. let's talk about For the Birds, you've mentioned that. A row of tiny birds on a wire, chattering away, are suddenly interrupted by a large bird a short distance away. He looks big and dopey and waves his side feather as if to say hi. The little birds look on. They start to make fun of him amongst themselves. The large bird comes to join them.
0: The characters are sweet, but it's quite powerful, the relationship displayed on screen, you know, the sort of grumpy group of small birds and a great big sort of naive one. So it touches on all the obvious exclusivity, all this, you know, sort of bullying, but it's really palatable because it's so fun. Whereas if you teach, you try and teach a young person about that and you're just constantly hammering them with very real drama, they just sort of go, oh, man. You know, it's just way too confronting, so they just shut down internally, even if they're not saying anything. But it's all sort of subtle stuff. You know, it's a very clever filmmaking. Pixar guys are so clever. I remember one boy in the class, um, and he was very bright, and he, you know, he was newly arrived, but he talked about um, sometimes in a group, it's hard to be honest if you are unhappy with someone you're close to. And that's much, he was just he recounted an anecdote of arguing with a friend. And they couldn't get on top of it and they couldn't resolve it. And so then this other person came along who was a bit more vulnerable and they just hammered him. And he said later he realized that, you know, sometimes you can be in a bad mood but you can't go there because you're too nervous that you might offend your friend. So it's much easier to just hammer the next person who walked along. So it's really, some really interesting stuff comes up. And, you know, and then that dialogue is very educational for somebody else who is not as conscious. You know, he's a very conscious boy. He had a lot of emotional intelligence. And that's all the subtle stuff that comes up in that group discussion. So I think it's a great film. And it's funny, you know. So, And you're not, you don't leave the film feeling guilt-ridden because, you know, All the little birds, you know. There's a bit of karma in it, and you know. So it's it's a great film. I
1: I hadn't. I certainly hadn't thought about it so much in terms of bullying before.
0: Yeah, I think it's the simplicity, the simplicity and the complexity that is so clever about that film. And you know, also it means it's not intimidating for students to watch something that actually has very simple character and scene and plot, and to demonstrate how powerful a story you can convey. So um, there's a lot in that film. The wonderful thing about some of the Pixar films is that there's no dialogue. It's all sound. So for a person who has never spoken English and doesn't understand a word, I remember sitting in a classroom and one of the teachers who I'd worked with quite a few years, she had a student who had really struggled and she'd been there for three months and she said to me, that is the first time I have seen her smile spontaneously at something we've done in class. Wow. So that's pretty massive.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Let me uh, talk a little bit more about your career then or or ask you about that. So there's one that I heard you did recently called Happy Father's Day, a seven-minute animation which adapts the great Working Dog Stories book for the screen. Can we see this somewhere?
0: That one is also not finished. Ah. So what we've done is we've started – I've got a few – that are part of this series that are are going to be released together. And uh, that is a really beautiful story. Um, Angela Good, who is the author of this book, Great Working Dog Stories, was a radio reporter in South Australia and a farmer. And one day she said to the farmers, I want you to send in your best working dog stories. And she got 3,000 in the first drop. And she picked 300 that she loved the most, I think, I don't think he's quite, trained. anyway, so then she had to, Like, they're incredible stories. And this one is a beautiful one about, um, a guy has to choose between, uh leaving his dog and then spending some time with his family. It's a beautiful story. They're very powerful.
1: Just to touch on a few others you've done, I read about uh, something called Marty's Party with Gary McDonald, which is, you know, live action drama. Um, there's one about called Recycle, uh, released in Canada. That sounds interesting. What? Tell me about some of your other varied work that you've done over the years.
0: For me, the I'm always interested in the psychological aspect of uh, just people's way of being, like I love. And I, I read this article in the Age AH one morning about um, there's this condition called placebo, it's the opposite of placebo. And basically if you, say, your fam, say everybody in your family is 200 kilos and you're, you weigh 50 and all, everyone in your family has struggles with you know, heart disease or something, if you believe you're going to have heart disease even though you're a whippet, you're going to get, you have a 30% chance of having the same condition. So it's that thing about how powerful your mind is to how the impact has on your body, and so that's what Marty's Party is about.
1: And recycle, recycle, because we're always interested in environmental shorts and animations, and you know,
0: recycle was actually in animation. You to save time and work. You create this thing called cycles, a bit like a walk cycle or twelve steps that you can play over and over. And so the title is a play on how you create these loops or cycles and also how people are creatures of habit. And so there's lots of sort of disturbing cycles within that film. Not really, it's not that uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> or at the end, it's not too bad. You sort of get you get let off the hook.
1: Yeah. Tell me about that. I mean, I I have this, you know, sense that we should... We should create, um, I guess, uplifting stories. But but there is a place for you know. It's like people talk about the music. You know, I got to play the blues, man. And whenever I play the blues, I've I've tapped into that dark space that has helped me move on. Do you think that's a similar thing that's happening here?
0: Yeah, that's right. I, you know, I really I'm a bit of a Pollyanna, so I really love you know being let off the hook at the end. But yeah, I think you know there are certain topics where you need to go there and, you know, not actually sugarcoat it. So, you know, there's a time and a place for all. But I think for young people, you know, the world is bleak. <laughs> so I'm not, unless they particularly want to go down that road, you know, I do sort of encourage them. You know, at the moment we're making this film, a very short one called Mrs. Murphy. Mrs. Murphy was a pig in King Lake and at the hour... The bushfires started in Kilmore, so before most people knew, she started to dig this hole and she kept digging. Anyway, the fires came really fast and the family just had to go. And Mrs Murphy had her two mates at the farm were these two dogs. And the family hours, you know, I think two days later came back expecting the worst. And Mrs Murphy had dug such a big hole that she saved herself and these two dogs. And so, you know, it's sort of, that fire was so devastating to so many communities, but there's just like, there's some sensational stories about just survival and, you know, how to manage and relationships and people sharing holes with live birds because that was the only spot where everyone could go and, you know, like, there's some great stuff that's come out of that. You know, I think for teenagers, life is pretty tough. So, we sort of tend, I tend to steer it that way they can do it like, later
1: when they're in their 40s, they can do the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So just to finish off, are there, what, what sort of advice do you have for teachers? So thinking about teachers that aren't necessarily using films to teach about media, particularly teachers who are nervous about teaching animation skills or some of these things that you do, what, what advice would you have for teachers that just want to find something good? What would you say to them?
0: look even though they're very mainstream you know the Pixar stuff is really great because of, you know that that they're very good storytellers and i think uh, you know once you have a good premise you know that carries the whole film there's lots of films where images can be quite rough but if the storyline if the plot is great or the content or if the child wants to make you know a doco with a really interesting local member of the community, you know, it's actually about the content. It's really about the storyline, I think. Yeah. That would be the biggie. So to spend that time, at least as much time on the story as the creation, I think.
1: Sure. So that's that's sort of advising teachers about – in the creation of it? What about in just searching, hunting out, you know, the plethora of films around the world now? What what advice would you give for teachers who are out there trying to save time because they've got one more hour before they go to bed and they've got to have something in class for tomorrow? <laughs>
0: well, you know, like, YouTube's pretty sensational and, uh, say, On Screen Australia's website, they have, say, the top 10 or 20 best film festivals in the world. Within each of those festivals, they will have chosen probably five or six films that they would consider in that year to be the best in the world. I think that's a really great indicator about what's current. So if you went to Screen um, Australia's website and they've got a film festival list, or if you go to top ten film festivals in the world and then you just look and you can find the titles of these films and they'll be cutting edge too, which is really great. They won't just be sort of mainstream commercial stuff.
1: And And uh, that's probably why you know a few people I've interviewed recently um, who are teachers said, "Look, I just love subscribing to you know staff picks of Vimeo because they do the work of finding the good stuff for me because there is so much other stuff. So there's a role for curators. Is there anything else've we've, we've covered a bit of territory? Is there anything else that you thought you would have liked to have said before we wind up?
0: I think probably um, one thing that's come up for me is sometimes. You know, when I've been given a brief from a local government or a philanthropic organisation, there has to be enough flexibility for students for it to not be a film that an adult thinks that kids should make. I think that's pretty important.
1: Explain that. So to give me an example of that.
0: I made a film with some young people talking about what it's like to be a high school student. And this school was tough. And so... Uh, they really went there, and there were lots of bits we actually left out. But um, it was really that it was really their film, and so it really you get a great sense of where they are too, I think, emotionally. But also um, that if you ask them to do something, you don't then curb it. You know, you can steer it, but you that you if you want them to make it as a adolescent or you know, then that's, let them make it.
1: What's and all. Yeah. Censorship-free.
0: That's it. And, you know, I mean, there's some things you go, okay, if this goes to Facebook, (laughs) what does that mean for you when you're 25? You know, I want you to think about, you know, it brings up lots of great discussions. I think that's a biggie.
1: So where to next for Kath Murphy?
0: Well, uh, I've ended up, because I do adolescent mental health within my work, you know, it'll probably become part of some research at some point. And, um... I, I'm on this uh, animation series of six-minute 6, six minute films, which is not little, but, you know, now I've got this whole of wonderful young people who are keen to work. So uh, we'll just see what happens. We've got a few great stories coming up. So I think that will consume quite a bit of time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So we'll see what happens, I guess.
1: Well, thank you for your time and, and your insights. You've, uh, there's, there's lots of great stories there that I, I'm, I'm keen to share with, with teachers and filmmakers uh, as we explore this overlapping space.
0: Yeah.
1: Find all the film links and related notes in the description and look out for the edited highlights of this discussion on YouTube. This show is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. To learn more, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. This episode was recorded with Zencaster.